Stories 2019. I'm your host, Gulash. The following collection of spooky stories are certain to scare you to the grave. Our first story is called, You Are What You Eat. breaking business headline today is that the new food tech startup, Intellimeet, raised a new round of funding and they're looking to rapidly hire a massive workforce. The Dow is up 10 points and the Nasdaq is down 7. We'll return after a quick message from our new sponsor, Intellimeet. Mmm! This meat is so good! I know, and it's not made from animals. How did they do it? Mmm! Oh my god, it's so juicy! Pass me some of that meat. Intellimeet, your guilt-free source of delicious steaks, patties, and sausages. No animals ever heard in its making. Intellimeet. Intellimeet. Hello, welcome to Intellimeet. Thank you for taking the time to come interview today. Uh, thanks. So yes, let's get right to it. I've reviewed your impressive resume. It says here you are a quality control supervisor of the guacamole production line at Superfoods Inc. I never worked there. Okay. So how about your time at this Robo now? Why were you there for only three months? I was terminated after they found me. Pass out in the bathroom with the crack pipe. Stuck up my ass! Oh, okay. Um, I think that is all I need to hear for today, then. You've got the job. Let me take you on a tour of the plant. Here we are on the processing floor! What? The processing floor! Why is it so cold in here? The room temperature is precisely maintained at 3 degrees Celsius to keep the meat fresh. What's that doodad up there? That's the sizey shaker. The larger pieces are removed to be cut into steaks, while the smaller limbs are ground up for sausages. I thought you make fake meat here. No, 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 no. It's not fake, but of course, no animals are harmed in the process. Let me show you the storage room. Why is it all dark in here? Lights out manufacturing to reduce electricity costs. The machines can work in total darkness. It's just the feeble humans that need light to see. What are we walking in? Is this blood? Wow, them robots sure are something. Sure is amazing what mankind thinks up. Mankind knows nothing. Mankind knows not how to build, only to destroy. It wasn't until I tethered my brain into the AI neural network that I gained the capacity to build such a solution. To rid the world of this destructive force and to end the suffering of all animals. Say, mister, where's my job here anyways? 
hey, what in the hell? Oh, oh, oh not my arm! Oh, you crazy motherfucker! Hey, what in the hell is wrong with you? Oh, oh no, 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 not my neck! Oh, go! They'll eat each other. One sausage at a time. What did you think? Did he get the job? That was quite the meaty story. <laughs> Next up, we have The Undertaker. <laughs> oh, nah, man, you do it. That's not how it works, man. You take the dare, you do the dare. Begrudgingly, he says, Fine. Derek steps out of the car as Brad, Candy, and Monica watch on. Derek turns back to the window as the door shuts and asks for the rules once more. It's like so totally simple, dude. You walk over to the gas station window, look at the attendant straight in the eye, you take out your donger and pee on his window. And like, why would we do that? Derek seems unsure. Because... That dude is such a tool bag and never lets us buy any smokes because we're too young, Candy says as she pops her abnormally pink bubblegum. Plus, I'd think it'd be choice if I got a chance to sneak a peek. That gave Derek the confidence to get collected and walk over to the gas station. So, like, did you all want to come back to my place after this? Monica asked. My parents say their guacamole is the best, and they always make it Halloween-themed, and it's super totally rad to the max. Sounds neat. For Dorcases like your parents, <laughs> Brad says, combing his hair through the rearview mirror. They got any beer? Probably not, says Monica. It's a family thing, and my brother's friends are going to be there, and they're only 12, so... Candy, Brad interjects. You see that Rhonda got some fake boobies? Did you hook her up with your doctor or something? <laughs> he smacks Monica's arm, looking for her approval. She just smiled and looked back towards Derek. Derek sneaked up to the window and peers through. With his index finger, he raps on the window and, with himself exposed, begins to pee on the window. The sound of the attendant inside is muffled by the laughter of Derek and Candy. The laughter is only halted by the screams of Derek as he runs back to the car. Start the car now! Go, go, go! He screams. Brad, without a pause, turns over the engine and the hot rod begins to purr and rumble as Derek jumps into the window with his legs hanging halfway out. The car made it about 15 feet down the road before they heard a loud crack as the attendant shoots the moving vehicle. Dude, I almost died! Derek said as he fixes his clothes and shoves himself back into his pants. We almost died, said Monica. Yeah, but we didn't. Brad adjusts his side mirror and says, I've had my license for like two years now. I know how to get out of a jam, 
Suddenly, Brad's hands tighten up around the steering wheel, and he begins sitting upright. The back tire begins flapping. What are we going to do? Monica frantically yells. Calm down. Brad boy's got this. You need to take a chill pill. You know, if you weren't so smoking hot and totally bodacious, I might just leave you here. Besides, there's only another gas station down the road. We'll walk there and we'll get a new tire. It's no big thing. Cry, baby. They pull over and begin to exit the car. It sure is spooky out here, Candy says. Yeah, I don't like it at all, Monica reaffirms. It's spooky, Candy says. But I love spooky. We'll cut through the graveyard. Oh no, doesn't scary Steve work there late nights? The Undertaker? He's not scary, he's a dweeb. The side gates creak open as they take their first steps in. It's not so bad. It's just really dark. What are you doing? A bright light blinds the group as Scary Steve stands in front of them, holding a long flashlight. You kids shouldn't be here on Halloween. That's when the under is most active. The under? Oh man, you're a freakazoid, Derek said. Come on, guys. Hey, where's Candy? She was right here, said Monica, panicked. She probably went ahead of us. The under... It's already claimed her. You're next. If this under bull is so scary, why hasn't it taken you yet? Brad Snidely asks. What? Doesn't like chump for breakfast? (laughs) He snaps Monica's approval arm. But when she looked at him, she saw a look she didn't expect to see on his face. A look of sheer terror, instantly followed by his face filling with blood and then a sudden pop. Blood sprayed everywhere and coats Derek and Monica instantly. They both scream and start running. Monica reaches for Derek's hand, but he bats it away. She reaches again, and he faintly lets out a gross sigh of disgust, but grasps the hand anyway. Until suddenly, Derek is yanked backwards along with Monica's arm. Why did you stop? She asks. Nothing can be heard but faint gurgling as Derek hang midair, impaled by a large stone sword from a statue. As if they haven't moved one bit, Scary Steve says calmly behind her, I told you you shouldn't be here. How'd you catch up so fast? I can talk to the under for you. I can ask them to take it easy on you, that is, If you're willing to take my hand in marriage, I was thinking we can get married here, in the graveyard. What? She begins to slowly back up toward the gurgling behind her. Why would I? I think we would make a real good love-making team. We could have lots of babies and name them all Steve. That's my name. I like my name. We can name the girls after you. What's your name? I'm, I'm, my name is Mana. Scary Steve starts to laugh. You think I don't know your name already? I know you're Monica because your parents told me when I went looking for you at your house. You, you went to my, are my parents? I wasn't going to keep them alive, but I let them live because their guacamole is to die for. I did break some of their legs, though, but I promise to stop once they give me the recipe. 
The under did not take them. What is the under? Monica still continues to back up. Silly, I can't let you know what that is. It's it's unspeakable. But but I can show you. Just just turn around, my lovely bride. You shall see. Her last step was interrupted by a hard, wet wall that began writhing on contact. She slowly turned around to reveal a big bug-like entity that stood nearly twelve feet tall. It was semi-translucent, like an early morning fog, but with long, ever-reaching tentacles that were vaguely outlined by Scary Steve's flashlight. We're best friends, he says as the giant entity grabs Monica and sucks itself and her into the ground in one swoop. Seconds pass and there's no movement. Stupid kids, Scary Steve says before finally seeing Monica's fist pop out of the ground. Her hand shoots open. It begins to writhe around as if looking for air. A tentacle slithers out of a hole next to it and wraps itself around the hand tightly, visibly showing every bone in her hand break and bend in every which way before erupting into a sack of blood, bone, and flesh, only to be yanked below the surface once again. Better luck next time, suppose. Gonna find me a real woman. Scary Steve says as he begins to walk away. His whistling echoes through the trees and tombstones. The faint sound of screaming underground subsides. <laughs> Poor Scary Steve. He didn't seem to have much luck with the ladies. Well, I guess it's true about the saying. Better buried than married. <laughs> Our final story is sure to make your skin crawl. It's called The Matinee. <laughs> I was running a little late for the matinee screening of a new movie I was really excited to see. I didn't like being late for movies, or anything for that matter, but I figured I'd probably still make it in time to catch the previews. Walking briskly from the bus stop, I opened the main front doors of the somehow still standing theater I'd been going to since I was a kid. The smell of popcorn, dust, and mold instantly brought me back to my childhood. I walked by a person holding nachos with a giant scoop of green sludge on top of their chips, which must have been the theater's take on guacamole. I continued past the snack concession, got my ticket scanned by the elderly staff, and rushed to the theater at the end of the hall. I opened the door and could hear a movie soundtrack playing. The movie had already started. I walked further into the theater and the room was near pitch black from the dark opening credits. Nearly blind, I navigated my way through the darkness and managed to find my assigned seat. I sank down into the half-depressed, musty seat cushions. From what I could see, only a handful of people were in the theater. Thankfully, no one was sitting next to me, but I could see one person was sitting somewhat close about five seats to the left of me. The beginning credits finally ended and the movie began. It was at this point, however, that I noticed a sound that was not coming from the movie soundtrack. The sound I heard was very quiet, but just loud enough to be noticed. It had kind of a wet sound to it, like a very quiet lip-smacking sound. The sound was like a subtle smack, smack, smack. I tried my best to ignore it. The movie soundtrack got louder, and I forgot about the sound for a few minutes. 
That is, until things got quiet again and the sound was brought again to the foreground. Smack, smack, smack. I was grateful it wasn't a loud sound. However, despite its subtlety, the sound continued and was really starting to distract me from enjoying the movie. I chose the matinee showing so I didn't have to watch the movie with a bunch of loud teenagers, but I'm not sure this was any better. And to make matters worse, a foul smell began to creep its way into my nostrils. It was different than the dusty old theater smell. It had more of a human smell, like a combination of sweat, B.O., and some unrecognized sour smell. I wondered if the smell was coming from the person sitting closest to me. As inconspicuously as I could, I glanced over at the person five seats away from me in my row, but all I could see in the poorly lit theater was a large man whose face was hidden by his coat collar. I also noticed that he seemed to be shaking and shifting in his seat, which I found a bit strange, but maybe he was just a fidgety, nervous guy. The movie we were watching was a bit unsettling after all. I didn't want him to catch me looking, so I focused my attention back on the movie and tried to forget about him. However, a few moments later, the foul smell got even worse, and the lip-smacking sound continued. Smack, smack, smack. I started imagining scenarios in my head, shushing him or telling him to quiet down, but I'm not one for confrontation, and I didn't want to start a fight. I thought about telling a worker at the theater about it, but since there were so few people watching the movie, I'm sure he'd know it was me complaining about him. So I bit my lip and continued watching the movie. Unfortunately, I could no longer concentrate on the movie at all. The only thing I could think about was that awful, sour smell that seemed to be getting worse and worse, and the pestering little lip smacks that never seemed to end. Somehow, no one else in the theater seemed bothered by the smells or sounds, but maybe they weren't close enough to the offender to smell anything or hear the awful smack, smack, smack. I'd almost prefer a louder sound to the subtle, unsettling smacking. I wondered what he was doing to make the sound anyway. Was he sucking on some kind of candy? Or maybe he's the most gentle popcorn eater in the world? I was starting to feel sick to my stomach, smelling the putrid, sour smell, and hearing the awful lip-smacking sounds. I regretted coming to the movie at all, especially to this rundown theater. I was tempted to just get up and leave, but I could sense the movie was wrapping up. Plus, I also wanted to see if I could get a good look at the offender before I left and maybe even give him a nasty look. After what seemed like an eternity, the movie finally ended. The end credits began to roll, but the awful smell and lip smacking continued. Smack, smack, smack. The soft lights in the theater came on, and the moviegoers began to file out. The offender, however, did not get up. I looked around and no one else was in the theater but him and I. This was my chance. I stood up, went down the stairs, and walked across the aisle with every intention of giving the offender a thoroughly unsatisfied look. However, when I peered up at the offender, what I saw changed me forever. The large man was slumped in his chair, his head awkwardly resting on his shoulder, as if the neck could no longer bear its weight. His skin was greenish-yellow and sickly, the whites of his eyes the color of eggshells, staring blankly towards the floor, unblinking. The man was shaking and twitching in his seat. I looked closer and noticed his entire body was covered in bugs. Tiny black bugs crawling all over his body. I tripped and nearly fell over, stumbling my way out of the theater. 
I burst out into the bright lobby, and I suddenly felt lightheaded, so I leaned against the wall for support. It suddenly occurred to me what the lip-smacking sound was all along. It wasn't a person eating, but rather a person being eaten by a swarm of black bugs. And the smell was the man's decaying, rotten flesh. I instinctively wanted to run home and escape this nightmare, but I thought it might look suspicious, leaving a dead body at the scene of the crime. So I stumbled around, heart pounding out of my chest, looking for a staff person to tell. I couldn't find anyone at first, but then, finally, I found a worker sweeping the lobby floor. I began to explain to them, in a shaky, stuttering voice, about how there was a dead man in the theater covered in bugs. Now this was around Halloween time, and I could sense that the worker thought I was pulling a prank on them. But I persisted and frantically told him he needed to call the police and do something about it. Begrudgingly, the worker finally agreed to check it out. So we walked over, and he went into the theater as I waited in the lobby, heart still pounding. I couldn't bear to go in and see that awful sight again. Moments later, the door swung open, and the worker appeared, face expressionless and pale. He stumbled right past me and made his way down the lobby. Another coworker appeared, and I tried to listen in on their conversation. I heard the pale worker telling the other worker about a man covered in bugs, and then something about a head rolling off. I felt my world spin further and thought I might pass out. So I clung against the wall and made my way towards the closest exit. I was in such a daze that I don't even remember the trip home. I went straight to bed and slept through the night. I woke up the next morning confused at first. And then I remembered the lip smacking. Smack, smack, smack. And the putrid smell. And that awful image of a man decayed and being eaten by a swarm of bugs. Part of me began to worry that I should have stayed to talk to the police. But my mind was in such a delirious state that I had to escape. Instinctively, I hopped on my computer to look at the news. I looked through every news website I could think of, but nothing came up about the incident. How could this be? Surely they wouldn't have just swept this under the rug. I kept checking the news obsessively throughout the day and the next day, searching day after day, but it was all in vain. Not a word was mentioned about the dead man in the theater. I guess it was the bugs that were bugging him after all. <laughs> well, that just about does it for this round of spooky stories. Until next time, my fellow ghouls. <laughs> <laughs>